Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 126. Today, we're going to be continuing our book study of Coaching Matters, talking specifically about chapter three. Today, we're going to go over the 10 roles and responsibilities of coaches. And with me, as always, my coaches with the mostest, Susan Vincent, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I am great. Great to be back for another week and looking forward to some more great conversation on this book. I've enjoyed what we've gone over so far and hopefully uh, we've had a great response from you guys listening out there. We have had a great response. You know, we had a, some, a, a really good conversation um, on our Tech Coaches Roundtable. We, we do our shows, by the way, each and every Wednesday we do our roundtables and you guys can be a part of these roundtables too. Check out the brand new TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network. You can sign up for free by going over to teachercast.net slash TCN form for teachercast.net slash tech coach network form. I'd love to have you guys. But yes, yeah, so we had a great, um, great group come out this week. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about all of the stuff that happened on chapter one. I highly recommend you guys go back and check it out. That's episode number 125, which basically, Sue, to sum it up, um, if it's set up right, it will succeed. Absolutely. And we talked about ways to, you know, get your coaching program off the ground and how to best succeed if you're new or even if you're a veteran going into a new place and getting those relationships started. It's important as tech coaches to, re- to remember that, you know, no matter how long you've been there, every time you walk into a room, it really is that first time. I know relationships get built and stuff, but you never know where those teachers are. You never know where they are in their day. You never know what stresses they're under. And even if you're talking to your best friend, the fifth grade teacher, you're going to walk in there and you want to make sure that everything is set up the right way. And that's why we're doing this show here again. You know, we want to make sure that you guys are checking it out. The book study is called coaching matters we have the link in their show descriptions over episode number 125 and episode 126 today and you know what sue as we go through here we're looking today at the roles and responsibilities i know you and i have coaching positions our roles and responsibilities are drastically different but they really all have some major things in common, don't they? Oh, yes, very much. You know, we have various tasks, various things we focus on. But ultimately, we're there with the same responsibility, and that's to um, make the teachers as, as efficient and comfortable as possible as they integrate technology into their classroom. So we all have a basis of what we're doing. We just may approach it and go down different routes to get there. One of the things that they mention here as we go through the, the chapter three today, you know, it says leaders of effective coaching programs clearly define the coach's role to align with the results expected from coaching. If we just take that, it really is showing off 
kind of what we started talking about last week. If you have a set of expectations, if you know what the outcome that you're looking to have from the program, then you want to backtrack that and figure out what does coaching look like? What does effective coaching look like? What are you trying to get out of there? Um, I, I, it is all about trying to figure out what lane you're in, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, that that's with um, anything in life. I, I remember even learning about lesson planning and t- we learned about, you know, what's what do you want the child to learn? Have that end in mind and begin begin with the end in mind. That's one of those leader in me concepts. So just like with coaching, you have that vision, your school has that vision, your administration has that vision. So have that end in mind as you play in your coaching role. So here's the question that I know I'm struggling with, and I'd love to get your opinions. Who knows what that end is? I know it's easy to say the end result is students do gooder. I get that. Absolutely. But do you walk into this as a new coach and say to your teacher, by the end of this, my job is to make you look better. Do Does your principal get up and say, we're starting a coaching program so that you can do better in your class? I don't think that's the answer, but I think there's a gray area in there. Where are you with this? Who needs to know what the, def- the, the definition of the coaching program is? The teacher, the coach, clearly. Principal, clearly. Where are you with all of this? Well, definitely at some point, all of those people need to know. Now, if you go back further and ask, well, who's establishing that? That's another scenario in itself. So, you know, there has to be stakeholders involved and these people do need to know what's expected. Now, whether that's a school system or school district level plan concept and in place that everybody um, hopefully is buying into or a building level thing. And you need to have that buy-in from whoever needs to be involved. And, you know, hopefully in a perfect world scenario, that mission, that plan, that end result has been discussed by, I don't want to use the word committee, but it works in this situation, by an administrator and a teacher at the table, along with a coach. You know, the, the book goes on to say, knowing the results that, they, the leaders want, allows schools and the school system leaders to focus on coaching, doing their work, right? On those high level actions that directly contribute to achieving the desired results. So basically it's saying if the school knows what they want out of the coaches, then let the coaches go be awesome and go do coaching things. I I think that's kind of saying don't micromanage your coaches, but give them a focus, give them a goal and let them go do what you ask them to go do. Yes, and that's so important. And I know a lot of you coaches out there, you you may be in challenging situations where that's not necessarily what you deal with. Thankfully, I've been in a great situation where I am allowed to go do my thing and accomplish my goals. And, you know, and if you're out there and in a bad situation, you know, join the Tech Coaching Network and we can help collaborate and at least, you know, counsel you through and give you some guidance in those situations. Now, I want to kind of hunker back on something that was mentioned this past weekend. Um, Met with a coach, and the coach gave me an interesting outlook of their day. Now, I want to shift over here because the book again says the fundamental focus of a coach's work influences the potential of a coaching program to achieve those results. 
basically I'm reading that as saying, if a coach knows what they're supposed to be focused on, then they can do their program and help the teachers out. The coach that I was working with this week told me that they work in multiple buildings. And in order to basically the way I was understanding the conversation, in order to be micromanaged, this coach has to text her principal when she's leaving the building, when she gets to the next building, when she's leaving the next building, and then when she returns to building A. Oh, my goodness. Sounds like a lot. Sounds like the idea for the coaching program is to micromanage the coach and not let them do their coaching work. And we we had conversations about, you know, what is the focus of the program? How is it working? We tried to figure out a way, you know, can we give a schedule? Can we give a calendar? Sometimes an administrator needs to allow people to breathe, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, there's times when you're meeting with a teacher that, oh my goodness, you have this 45 minutes set aside, but the conversation's going well. You may be there another 15, 20, 30 minutes and and you have to let those conversations happen in order to be successful on the coaching end and to make the teacher feel successful. You can't just say, oh, timer. Sorry, Miss Smith, I've got to go. <laughs> it, it, you know, they, they talk about here in the book the word parameters. You know, it says when district and school leaders set the program's parameters and consider what work coaches are expected to do, coaches have the greatest leverage to strengthen teaching and student learning. Set the framework and let the person do the job. Give them the guidance to be able to do what they need. Help set up the walls and then let the coach go knock the walls down. And don't be afraid if the coach wants to knock the walls down. That's what they're there for is to be awesome and help their teachers be awesome. Absolutely. It, it's, it's hard to think of being inspirational, uh, as, as our friend Tish would say, magical. Yes, if every five feet you have to check in with somebody. Mm -hmm. And that's hard in any job. And I think that's a huge concern in education overall today with virtual learning, hybrid learning, synchronous learning, what have you, is be, have, have the administration letting those teachers think outside the box and do what they need to do to reach the kids. And then back to the our coaching realm of letting the coach grow their wings, do what they need to do to make those teachers feel the most comfortable to integrate that technology to reach our students. And it's not just that. It's not the comfortability. It's not just the comfortability to integrate. It's the ability to be vulnerable with you. Yes. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm in a position right now where I'm meeting new teachers. I'm trying to get them to just be comfortable with somebody else around. I'm not coaching them yet. I'm still in that, hey, how you doing phase. Mm -hmm. Um had a situation today where a coach, a teacher said, you know, what are you here for? Like what, basically they were asking like, what's your, what's your job? Just like, what are you, what are you here for? Are you this person? Are you the one that I come to to fix my board? Are you the one that I come to, or are you here for something else? Right. And I had a good, re I've had a good rapport with that teacher. So I kind of let my guard down and said, look, I don't mind helping you with your board, but understand my role here is to work with you. I gave her that conversation. Later, another teacher said, you know, I'd like you to help me build a lesson. And I thought about it and I said, okay, what are you doing? How are you doing it? Let's take that 
up one more step. Let's let's add a video to it. Let's add audio. Like, let's take let's take exactly. that first jump on that Samer ladder, um, and let's see where we can go with this. Okay. I didn't sit there and explain what my goals were. I didn't exactly. explain that we need to up your. I didn't go into all those different categories, but you know. It is a case by case basis. You have to know your, your teachers. Those re, those those um, relationships we keep talking about are extremely important, and that's why today we're going to be really deep diving into the majority here of chapter three, where we talk about the ten roles and responsibilities. Now let's kind of go back and forth here, and if you're listening to this and identify, if you identify with any of these roles, do me a favor. One. Tweet at us. You can always tweet at us. I'd ask the tech coach, let us know how you are managing one of those roles or resembling, I should say, or managing those responsibilities. Or heck, you know, Sue, if someone out there is driving, honk your horn a couple of times. Just let the world know that you're out there listening yes. to ask the tech coach. <laughs> if it's a Monday morning, just honk that horn. We'll Sue, listen what's for the, you. What's the first thing that the book says as a role or responsibility for tech coaches? So it talks about a tech coach being a resource provider. So, you know, I think that is a basic responsibility of a tech coach of curating those resources and being able to provide, you know, oh, a teacher comes to me and you need to add that video to a lesson and be able to provide the resource in order to make that happen. And that really is, I, I don't want to say it the wrong way, baseline. Yes. You're, 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 you're doing this. <laughs> Let me help you with it. I know a lesson. I can, I can find some, you know, let me Google that for you is essentially yes, the website, that's right? It's, what that is, you know, and, you at know the very we, basic here, let's share and care. I know. And if we, I guess if we refer to our, our coaching levels in the SAMR world, resource providing would be the S in SAMR, you know, just being able to quickly substitute that um, tool for that's, something else they're doing in the classroom. That, that's a good one. So so basic. So what if we keep going up the ladder, Jeff? What's the next role and responsibility? Now, the, the, the next one is one that I struggle with, right? Because I'm not analytical. I'm more creative. But the next one that they talk about is being a data coach. Taking a step back away from the lesson, away from the creativity and look and go, is what you're doing making sense? You know, guiding teachers, they say, to assess, analyze, and use data from multiple sources. That could be grades. That could be a rubric. Um, that could be many different quantitative and qualitative things. You know, helping teachers learn how to gather the data. It's yes. one thing to show them how to make a self-graded quiz, but are they actually getting the information? Because, look, if my kids get a, a B or a C on the test and I don't understand why or the numbers aren't showing why, I might not know how to help them improve. So showing them how to put these things together so they actually have some data to go in here, helping them to facilitate these conversations in group settings to engage you know, this whole analytical way of thinking about things. I think that's one of those skills that a lot of tech coaches don't think about because we are those resource providers. Here's my Wakelet. Here's my Flipgrid. Mm -hmm. Here's my whatever. But really, you know, if you look at it and maybe this is wrong, yell at me if I'm wrong. Coaches are the more fun, exciting things, whereas administrators might have to have more of the hard numbers of show me why a flip grid is doing well. Show me Absolutely. what, if I, if I use a flip grid, show me why that kid's going to now get a 95 instead of a 90. Mm -hmm. 
So, what do you think about data? How how do you help teachers collect? Do you help teachers collect data? What, what, where does that lie in with you? Well, I'm probably more like you. I'm not a numbers person as much. More, I'm more the creative tool driven person. I am so thankful in the uh, school system I'm in now. We have a separate person who's on my team um, in our curriculum department. And he, he works as a data control specialist. In fact, one of these weeks, I may ask him to come on here and we can talk data in coaching. I think that would be perfect and he would be great at it. So he works alongside myself and the other curriculum specialist as we go through and show teachers how to use things. And then he comes alongside us and helps them analyze that data after the fact and shows them how to make the cool graphs and charts. So, so number one, we have resource provider. Number two, we have being a data coach. Sue, what's the third thing that a, a, a tech coach needs to be aware that they are? So this one's big. This one is a tech coach should be an instructional specialist. So this is where we get off of that conversation of, are we a technician? Are we there to help them with their board? Or are we an instructional person? We're a, we're a specialist in, in instruction. You know, as a tech coach, for the most part, I believe the majority out there across the country, no matter what your title is, you had to have at least some sort of classroom teaching experience to become a tech coach. I know I did. So it that's where you need to prove to them that, yes, I'm a teacher. I have that background and I can help you plan a lesson. I can help you climb that SAMR model ladder and, you know, facilitating, you know, interventions and lessons that will um, help integrate those technology tools. Now, the one thing that they do mention is that you need to be planning what's called tier one instruction. I had to look that one up. Sue, do you know what tier one instruction means? Well, in my understanding, tier one is more, you know, intervention type activities for those students who may have special needs or they you may have your gifted kids and being able to plan lessons that way in order to reach the different, just to differentiate your lessons. I can see that. Um, I had to look this one up, and I don't know if this is exactly right. You might be right, too. Uh, I found a pyramid graphic that basically says there's three tiers. Tier one is core. Everybody, general stuff. As you said, you need to be a teacher first. Then they say tier two is the targeted small group. So that would be where your go do your gifted lessons, go do your – um, you know, your, your remedial learning, whatever those different types of learnings are. Tier three would be individual intervention, knowing how to work with specific kids. Um, so in other words, tier one is everybody. Yeah. Tier two is focus in groups. Tier three is I know Sue really well, and I'm going to focus on how to work with Sue. Yeah, and we and, tend to use that word intervention around our area a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot having to do with maybe more so in the end of where the students with special needs lie. Right. But then we also tend to use it for our gifted kids too, because they need interventions and as well as those kids in the middle. So, but that so could we be anybody. We, that. we, we know that when we're making lessons, you're always teaching to the group, you're modeling for a small group of people. And then while they're working, you're doing the individual stuff. Uh -huh. So we're constantly, you know, moving back and forth when we create lessons you know, this is why we like breakout rooms. We're going to build a lesson for everybody. We're going to put you in small groups. And then I'm going to walk, walk in and help the individual kids. So being able to be that specialist yes. to help 
um, bring that information into your classrooms is important. So now, as a tech coach, we not only need to understand the technology, but the various instructional models that are out there. So, And isn't that the next one? What's number four? So number four is a curriculum specialist. So not only do we need to understand how to instruct, we need to understand that the curri- what the curriculum is that is being taught in mm-hmm. the school system that you're in or the building that you're in. And I got to say, this is one of the hardest ones for me, right? And I don't know if, if you if you feel the same out there listening, I would love to get your thoughts and feedback. And I will tell you, I'm not ashamed to say it. This is one of the hardest ones for me because my background is music education, right? Okay. I was never a fifth grade teacher. I never was a, a middle, you know, I taught K to 12, but there was always a violin under my neck. There was never a, a, a math textbook. So... I come into a class, if I'm looking at the 10 that we're going through, I would honestly say I am seven or eight out of 10. And the ones that I really have to focus on is figuring out what the curriculum is to then help do it. I've never taught cell division, but I know how to make a great looking Google slide. Absolutely. And that's what I I need to have. You know, I need to be in that classroom and go, how is cell division taught? How is westward expansion taught? How are the, you know, early explorers taught? Now we can have a conversation. Yeah, I that's have to what see I constantly it. have to fall back on is I know the technology. I know the technology. After 15 or so years of doing tech coaching, I have to remember that. Like today, I had to go talk to a high school calculus teacher. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. But I just have to rely on, I know how to use the technology. She how can have her go? content. It went how, fine. How, how did that go? <laughs> it, it went fine. We set her up with um, some Canvas, and it was her Canvas LMS, and, you know, just getting her set up with some new resources and things. So, thankfully, I know how to use the technology. Did, did you have? Did you walk away from that meeting with some tech imaginations? I think I might have imagining how glad I am that I don't teach calculus. Check out the great website, techimaginations.net for all of your tech coaching needs. Yes, um, definitely. So research, data, instruction, curriculum. Now I think it's the fun one is next. Classroom supporter, being able to be in there, work alongside of the classrooms, helping the teachers, help them grow. Work, you know, Really, I look at this one as calling it playing with the kids. Yes. Right. Like doing the thing, getting your hands wet, making those Valentine's Day cards, doing all of that work, helping them. But strategically, you're not doing things for them. You're not doing things in spite of them. You're not showing them up. You're you're you're, you're what, what's the word I'm missing? What, when, when we think of classroom supporter, what are what are we really looking at here? We are walking alongside them, guiding them and then encouraging them to go off and do it by themselves. So, you know, I, as the coach, might do it first. Then we as a team might do it together. Then they, as the teacher, are going to go off and grow their wings and do it on their own. It's so, so much fun to teach them kids without journey. having to make lesson plans, isn't it? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I think it's the wrong way of looking at things. But, but, but because really you are, if you're, doing, if you're doing the coaching model the right way, you are making the lesson plans. You're helping yes. build the lesson you're plans. You're collaborating. Absolutely. You just don't have to turn them in at the end of the day. But, but yeah, I mean, your, your job there is to work alongside, to, show, to showcase what's going on. It's okay to, for lack of a term, take over a class for a few minutes, 
to show, to model, mm -hmm. to figure things out. Maybe you do teach something in a way that you want to demonstrate how to teach things because you've been doing that lesson maybe with other teachers Absolutely. or you've been doing that lesson a couple of years and maybe you're working with a new faculty member. There's ways of of being that classroom supporter that is is pretty cool, yeah. especially after you've gone through that those steps of helping a teacher find resource, realizing what the different assessments and activities are, helping them out both as the tech supporter, but the curriculum supporter. And now you're actually doing everything in front of the students. And at this point is where the teacher is really starting to trust you because they're letting you in their classroom with their students. Now you get to that special point. You did something great with the teacher. That teacher goes into the lunchroom, the break room, the grocery store and says, have you seen that wonderful blue eyed pod, uh, tech coach named Jeff? You should have them too. That takes it into the next round. So what's the next role and responsibility for coaches? So the next one is a big part of what we consider our role in professional development is as a learning facilitator. You know, at some point, there has to be a time, whether it's a whole group instruction or a one-on-one -on -one sit down and show them how to do something. We're a learning facilitator. So we have to, you know, find a way to facilitate them learning how to use, whether it be the tools or whether it be the concepts and strategies we're trying to get across to them. You and I have both done our good share of PD. Absolutely. I don't mind getting up and doing a show called five great Chrome extensions, five ways to use Google Slides. Those are nice, mm -hmm. but I love when I can get up in front of an audience and say, here's what Mrs. Jones did, and here's what Mrs. Smith did, and here's what Mrs. If your entire presentation is, look at what these wonderful teachers, your peers are doing, the presentation, A, writes itself, but B, that just shows you that the system is working and things Absolutely. are great. And it puts the teachers on a pedestal too, which is really what the point and is. They appreciate that, yes. Even and though they, they don't always that. admit it, they it makes them feel good. So now you're at that point where you're working with teachers individually, you're working with groups, and then that magical email comes in and it says, would you like to come back next week? And now you start to get into a, a habit or a, a tradition of every week I work with this teacher, every month I meet with this group. You really start to become the next role of a coach. What is that? That role becomes a mentor. And that's one of my favorites, you know, whether it be new tech coaches uh, by way of this podcast or just new teachers in my building and veteran teachers who just um, are enjoying learning something new. And that cheerleader role, you know, I love whether it be verbally, I love telling them what a good job they're doing, or whether it be just via my Facebook group that I run with my teachers and um, just giving a kudos out to, you know, Miss Jones did this awesome project today. Look what's going on in our school buildings. So that mentoring role. How do you do that? Right. That's what I, and I know coming from my previous district and I keep in my head, I keep calling it back in St. Olaf. Right. I know I want to get there with these teachers. We've identified who the generals are going to be. We've identified who the ones that are going to need a little bit of a push. We've identified the ones that we'll see you next year because I know things are stressful for you. Yes. I, I want I want to get into that mentorship role. That's not something you can force, though. That's a relationship tactic that has to just keep nurturing itself. Yeah, and it just happens when the time is right. 
one of the things that you can do is you can mentor new teachers. I think that's one of the easier ways that you can build a program. As the new teacher comes in, you just meet with that teacher. You do that for enough years, this is just the way it works. Mm -hmm. You're going to meet with me. I'm going to show you how to make that Google Classroom work. I'm going to show you how to organize your inbox. We're going to go through this process. You're going to create a learning curriculum that maybe if you're lucky, your principal just sets it up and goes, yep, all my new teachers have to go through Susan's course. Every month there's a theme, every theme there's a you know reason for being there. You, you can force it, but I don't think you can force it. No, it, and it doesn't mean as much or go over as well if you force it. Then, you know, you lose some respect in that sense if you force it. Whereas if you just let it flow, let it happen when the time is right, people are going to be even more appreciative of you. And, you know, it's going to go over better. So, you know, as we mentor our teachers that kind of flows well into the next one then, Jeff. What's the next one as we continue those? You know, the next one is one that I hope every tech coach has the opportunity to be a part of or be thought of as. Um, I'm saddened when I talk to tech coaches and they're not considered this. I'm even more saddened when I work with school districts and I meet their district leaders and they don't consider their tech coach is part of this. And, and that thing that we're talking about here is the actual act or ability to be a school leader themselves. And I know for our group that we're putting together, you know, we very much encourage all of our buildings, make these people feel at home, help these people become leaders in their buildings. If the school teachers see them as leaders, um, that will help them do their job. If these people walk in, if a tech coach walks into any building and they're not seen as something amazing and you can't live without this, that's not helping them be set up for success. That's showing a teacher that you don't need to even be worrying about this person. It's just somebody else running the hallways. And the next thing you know, they are running the hallways. So being a school leader is modeling what improvement looks like. And that's in the classrooms. That's with all of the uh, information that gets put in front of teachers. You know, if it's if it's putting something out on Teams or an email or a newsletter or whatever it is, modeling how you want to see things, um, experimenting with new ideas. I'm going to try something. I'm, it might be weird, right? I always say you can call me crazy, but don't call me wrong. Like I know where we want to go. Having that vision, yes, and being allowed to help push that, and Knowing that, you know, let's be honest, you you brought this tech coach in because they are a little wonky. They fit outside of the box of a classroom. So you're giving them the entire building to be their classroom. Let them take risks with a teacher, with a coaching style. Maybe there's a different coaching philosophy than what you as the leader have. Let them take those risks. And okay. If, if you're a coach and you have to chime into your boss every five minutes, it's hard to take those risks. I, I just think it's so important that tech coaches be given guidelines like we've talked about, but be given the ability just to poke the box a little bit from both the left, the right, the top and the bottom. Very well put. Very well put. So then, you know, if you've taken on some of those leadership roles 
and that should, you know, expand the vision of the school building, the school district, mm -hmm. which should lead to the next one as to being a catalyst for change. You know, we we want to have that vision of our own philosophy as a tech coach, but carrying out not only the mission and vision of the school or district, but just change in education in general, you know, not the way we've always do it, done it and whatever other terms out there that you want to use, thinking outside the box, being an innovator, you know, don't just let the teachers be the status quo in their classroom, um, bring them along and encourage them to try something new, go global, you know, the four C's in the ISTE standards encourages us, you know, to communicate, collaborate, think critically, I left out one, but to share that globally. <laughs> it's it's always communicate, collaborate, critically think, and that other one. That other one. Somebody always, always leaves one out. One of them is always and that other one. <laughs> one of the things that they mentioned in the book, and you mentioned it, is, is questioning the status quo. Let's dissect that. That could be yes. going into a veteran teacher and saying, Sue, I know you've taught cell division this way, but let's crank it up a little bit. It could be um, going into working with your building leadership and saying, I know we've tried this. Um, do you mind if we make a left turn? Mm -hmm. You Again, relationships, mentorships, you know, being a facilitator of learning. Um, I, I think it's important. Yes, right? you should have been with me my first year, three years ago at my new school system. They had one-to-one -one iPads for several years and then, here comes Susan Vincent's in. Oh, let's change over to Chromebook. Susan's second year there. You know, I, I, you know, that, I took up the that, status quo. That's the fourth C, Chromebooks. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Being the person that is, I don't want to say, responsible isn't the word, right? But you, you can't be a catalyst for change if you're not allowed to be a risk taker. Right. Absolutely. You 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 need to be. We've said this a lot today. You, you need to be. Here's where I need you to be in six months. Go get there. I'm here if you need me. Right. Training your administrators to provide what you need is important. After all, our students do the same thing. Our students look to the teachers and go, this is how I learn best. They do that by taking tests and, you know, they do that by writing their homework assignments. They do that by conversation. We are the students of the building. It's important for the building to say to the principals, this is how our teachers are learning. This is how our teachers are moving forward. Let's see what we can do. Maybe it's a PD day. Maybe it's a Monday. It's a lot of different things, but you know, it, it really is just helping out and being that light, being that catalyst for change. And so that, that does take us into number 10 here, I, I don't I don't know if it's the hardest one, but it's the one I think that takes the most work out of all of us, no matter if we're new coaches or veteran coaches. What's that last one? Being a learner. We have to remember that we have to continue learning ourselves, just like a doctor has to, you know, be up on the latest medical trends. We as a tech coach have to not only keep up on the latest tech tools, the latest teaching strategy, going back to being that instructional and curriculum specialist. Isn't it interesting how all of these 10 um, things have built off of one another? So being that learner and being able to reflect on our work, you know, we might make a video and an instructional video to show how to do something and it might stink and we need to be able to 
reflect upon that and, you know, be willing to change and not be stuck in our way of doing things. But, and then also experimenting with new tasks. Again, going back to the risk taking, be willing to take risks. You know, your administration may be ready to let you take risks. So you have to be ready and willing to take those risks as a learner. And um, then supporting the success of the teacher, supporting the success as a student with the um, new things that you're learning. So those are the 10 roles and responsibilities. Uh, we're, of course, going through Chapter 3 here of Coaching Matters. And so before we wrap up, I just want to read the last paragraph here. I think it's important. I'm just going to read it in full. But it says, some roles will naturally have greater potential for affecting what occurs in the classroom, while others will influence school culture or teacher capacity or teacher satisfaction more directly. Each role has a place in a coach's workday. Yet spreading a coach across the many roles dilutes the potential of depth of impact. Particularly during the first year of a coaching program, administrators may narrow the coach roles to give coaches time to prepare for their roles and to establish productive relationships with teachers. All in all, I think a coach is going to have in the course of a year the ability to go through all of these different roles as we get started with coaches, some of these might be a bigger slice of the pie than others. As we go through the middle stages, other parts, the mentoring, the school leadership might emerge. Whereas if you're going to be a coach for six, seven years in a profitable, not money, but profitable program, um, you are the building's learner. You are the one that's helping to reflect on everything. You are the one that's sending the message about professional learning you are the one that's here to reflect on the work of all teachers and yeah. then guess what happens to you go back down and say now look at what we've done what resources do i need to not only move the classrooms but to move the buildings what kind of data do i need to move the buildings and the teachers what kind of instructional specialist does the building need and you really just kind of level up your coaching and we're going to talk a lot about this as we go through Coaching Matters, second edition from Joel Killian, Chris Bryan, and Heather Clifton. It is a great book. We're enjoying great going stuff. through it. We want to hear what you guys think. Please reach out to us over at Ask the Tech Coach and find us on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach. And if you like this, please share it on Twitter. Share it with your friends. We're going to go through all the books, uh, sorry, all the chapters, and we hope that you guys enjoy the journey. And if you guys would like to come on a show, we would love to have you. We are trying to plan a show with you guys, the tech coaches, to talk about this very book. So please reach out to us. We would love to have you on. And of course, that wraps up this episode number 126 of Ask the Tech Coach. On behalf of Sue and everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.